0: Welcome to the Tactical Tool Belt Podcast. On this show, we focus on how the real estate industry, the world's single largest emitter of greenhouse gases, can leverage climate tech to become part of the sustainability solution. I'm your host, Tyson West. I'm a partner on the climate tech team at Fifth Wall, the largest and most active venture investor in technology for the global real estate industry. In this podcast, we'll be joined by people on the front lines. The people inventing, investing in, and deploying the climate tech we'll need to make our homes, offices, and communities more efficient, more sustainable, and ever closer to zero carbon. Today I'm joined by Jim Bowen and Jeff McCauley, who are co-founders of Energetic. Energetic is an tech startup that provides trade credit insurance for solar developers, investors, and real asset owners. Of particular interest to Fifth Wall's real estate audience, Energetic's product has the potential to unlock one of the bottlenecks that we see as preventing rapid growth in distributed commercial and industrial solar in the United States and even globally. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the show. Well, Jim, Jeff, thank you so much for taking the time to hop on the podcast. I am really excited to talk to you both.
1: Thanks very much for inviting us. We're excited to talk to you today.
0: Yeah, of course. So maybe before we jump into your company Energetic, um, I always find it really interesting to learn about how co-founders originally got connected. Um, and even maybe as part of that, like the career path that both led you to start Energetic. So like, you know, did you get here through via a, an interest in climate and capital markets and solar, um, all that? So maybe just tell me tell me the founding story and sort of how how you both managed to collide.
1: Yeah, so we what we like to say is that a lawyer and an engineer walked into a bar and started an insurance company. <laughs> so what do we mean by that? <laughs> well, I'm I'm a lawyer, Jeff's an Jeff's an engineer, and we uh, we actually our, our professionals' paths had crossed over the past 10 years in different ways. We worked together on some different transactions at different companies, but always kind of thinking about you know what what problems we could solve, mostly in the energy industry, and even white, weekend whiteboarding sessions for the fun of it. Uh, and and we we had this sticky problem that that we kept on you know commiserating about over beers, and it led to us creating this company. Um, so maybe Jeff, if you want to give a little bit more of your background and what you were doing at Enernoc, and and uh, then we can talk a little bit about the problem and how we got started.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And um, so I'm an engineer by training, uh, as Jim mentioned, and I've really spent my whole career in renewable and distributed energy, uh, starting with the fuel cells, but also applied engineering roles in solar and batteries, building efficiency. And um, you know, through that technical lens, got to a point of of an epiphany that the problem in renewable energy wasn't as much about inventing new technology, but really figuring out how to deploy. The technology that we have, and um, I experienced that challenge firsthand at a large energy software company. We were trying to help major established businesses get access to solar and storage, and that's where I encountered this problem of of financing. And of course, um, reached out to to Jim, who was working as a solar developer internationally, and said, "Hey, Jim, are you are you experiencing this problem too? Is this you know financing challenge really holding back?" The industry, not just in the U.S. but are all around the world. Gosh, that's something we we've, we should figure out a solution to, and um, you know that's how the journey started.
0: Got it. Um, that makes sense. So the solar financing problem. So let's talk about the company Energetic. Um, uh, it, you know, with my with my venture hat on, I would put it in the insure tech category. So insure tech for solar. Uh, uh, fintech for solar, but you know, give give me the the short pitch. What what does Energetic do? Uh,
1: so um, Energetic, well, I guess where we where this led, where this buyer conversations and and lunch conversations led us to, uh, was this problem of credit in in solar, and in particular in non residential solar. So any. Business, um, municipality, school district, uh, commercial real estate, uh, kind of bankruptcy remote LLC that doesn't have a a balance sheet or a strong balance sheet, anybody that doesn't have a Moody's credit rating, basically, which um, is is a lot over ninety percent of the businesses. That was the the problem was that because solar is financed on long term. 10, 15, 20-year financing contracts, the banks and the financiers really needed to see a a strong Moody's S&P credit rating uh, in order to get approval for a loan. And when Jeff and I at our respective companies, I was doing solar development uh, as well, like Jeff said, uh, we would find these really strong candidates for solar businesses that have been around a long time that had um, strong revenue, but they just didn't rate at, uh, you know, they didn't have a Moody's rating or their Shatter rating was, was relatively low. Um, and our further, uh, you know, when, when we would go to get financing for these projects, banks would decline. And we said, but this is electricity. This isn't an optional payment. The business can't exist without electricity. It's hard to think of a business that can exist without electricity. They need this. And further, they're getting a discount because solar is only purchased when it's cheaper than the the utility uh, uh, tariff. So this was frustrating to us, obviously, because we couldn't uh, close the deals that we thought we should close. And we started uh, thinking about solutions and researching uh, solutions, which quickly led us to insurance. We found that in insurance, in in many industries, um, airline leasing, um, other invoice receivables, there's a form of they call it credit insurance or non-payment insurance that protects either a project developer or a financing party against um, the, a default on their financing um, of this project, and we uh, went, went forward and developed a, a thesis around how we could underwrite that risk and measure that risk. One of the big problems we first faced was there's not a lot of longevity of data. This was four years ago. So solar was still relatively new. Insurance is used to 50, 100-year actuarial tables uh, where they can look at loss history over a long period of time. Solar doesn't have that. So we had to come uh, use proxy data sets and uh, took a very novel underwriting approach, eventually de- developing some software to, to underwrite and do the actuarial pricing. Um, that allowed us to accurately price this risk. So if, so in, the, in a sentence, what we do is we issue a trade credit insurance policy that covers payment default risk on long-term solar financings for non-residential um, uh, cu- customers of electricity. Got it. So let me unpack some of those
0: things, because when I first started understanding um, what you do, it's one of those things where you, you can you can walk over it, but there's a lot of really interesting details that maybe, unless you've thought through them all, um, how interesting this is doesn't really stand out. So I think the first thing is um, the idea that some entities don't have um, don't have the credit necessary to get financing that will pay for these sorts of projects. And so one of the things that I was fascinated to learn um, from you guys is that it's it, th- this is a problem actually that like take a large publicly traded REIT, which at the parent co level, has great credit but might not have great credit at the asset level so maybe talk through that so in other words this is th- this isn't a product that's applicable to you know tier 2 or tier 3 assets or comp- this is actually a, a problem that lots of big perfect credit companies have just by nature sort of how they structure uh, on an asset by asset basis so maybe just yeah. walk us through that a little bit
1: I think Jeff should answer this because you know one of the first things we realized was the a potential customer would be these REITs. and so Jeff got on a plane out to a, a commercial real estate conference in Chicago. I think he was the only non-real estate person there, and further, he was in solar insurance, and so he started investigating this. and I'll Let him tell you about about what the what he heard there.
2: Yeah, luckily uh, real estate people are super friendly, so they uh, adopted me with open arms, and it was uh, a group of um, sustainability managers in commercial real estate. So it was really helpful to hear some of those challenges. And I think when, you know, driving down the street, looking at signs, people might assume, if you see a name you recognize, automatically it must be creditworthy, right? Well, um, the, the simple example there is with franchise businesses. So you think about hotels or chains, you might recognize the name on the sign. It might even be a Fortune 500 company. But is that Fortune 500 company using their balance sheet to backstop every single site? Probably not. Doesn't make sense. Uh, same thing goes for for REITs, um, uh, you know, across the board. So it's that kind of behind-the-scenes story that prevents financing from happening in uh, in more places. And that's why when you when you get into a plane, when we finally get into planes and we look down, you know, as solar people, we're always looking at roofs. We're always looking down and saying, why isn't there solar on that roof? And this is one of the hidden reasons why it's not in more places.
0: I love that because it's a question we ask ourselves all the time, right? Like, why why aren't, why aren't, isn't solar on more roofs given, you know, I think everyone these days talks a lot about the, just those cost performance curves that get published and talked about all the time. Um, and, you know, one of the interesting things about you is this, you know, that the thesis that financing is just one of those things that it sounds like it should be a from, but it's but it's not when you really dig into the details. Um, so, okay. The second step in what you walked through that was interesting was um, the comment that electricity or that solar is a bill that always gets paid. Um, that's also a really interesting thing that I hadn't really thought through until, um, until looking at what you do. And so for the audience, maybe walk through that, that idea that if you underwrite uh, the credit risk of a particular asset, you're sort of mispricing the risk of people not paying their electricity bill. Like electricity and, say, rent, uh, you have to look at the default risk of not paying those two bills pretty differently.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is something that is intuitive to most people, that um, you know electricity is the last bill you default on. I think what was different for us is we are actually able to gather the data sets to prove that and and look at a distribution and try to identify where are the cases where that's true and where are the cases where it's not true. And so we aim to select the buildings that have the lowest likelihood of default and we're able to look at that not that default not just on a traditional credit traditional loan basis but also valuing the commodity for the business that exists today and the business that might exist there in the future. And you know ultimately we believe that commercial real estate is a long-term and durable asset. You might have a period of vacancy, but ultimately, we do believe that the you know market corrections happen, and more um, people and stores will return to those spaces. We also believe that electricity is a long-term and durable commodity that will continue to have value into the future. So, all this is to say, if we experience a loss, and we certainly believe that you know some of our some percentage of our portfolio will experience a loss we think that that can be mitigated through these factors of replacing business buyers and replacement value of the commodity.
0: Got it. So so maybe in summary, it's, you know, in the case of um, a tenant, you know, a tenant's business goes bad. One, electricity, they'll keep paying that bill until the very last minute because they have to. If you can get a new tenant in, that's the first bill they're going to pay as well. Um, But then there's also the opportunity for offtake, right? Like you can sell that electricity on the open market. So, you're many steps away from actually defaulting on payment around the solar project where the landlord, as, a, as an example, may have much, much higher exposure to default on rent. Um, and so you have to separate those two things out. Um, yeah, is that, exactly. Is that accurate, you think?
2: Yes. And I think w- you w- when you say it like that, it's it almost seems like common sense. And you say, why is this still a problem? Well, if we come back to it, it's still a very scary challenge. We're still talking about unrated credit for you know, uh, you know, ten years of time—it's a long period of time—and a lot of times, it's not that these arguments are, are lost on people. It's that the structure of finance and the lending institutions that put money into these have certain rules and requirements of what they're allowed to do, and it is a very complex market. If anybody's ever looked at a utility tariff or a utility territory, or looked at wholesale markets, or net metering, or um, or RECs there's so much complexity into these projects and it's so nuanced and different by geography. Um, you know, location, location, location is certainly true in in real estate, even more so in electricity. And so it's very hard for these large, low cost of capital entities to really have the rigor to choose the right projects, um, that, and quantify the risk on each of them.
0: Got it. There's another interesting, um, Facet of solar that, that that I didn't know, which was, you know, if you look at, um, if you compare it to say, well, why isn't there a rigorous market in, you know, um, equipment finance or something like that? And one of the things that the audience may or may not know is that about fifty percent, and correct me if I'm wrong in any of these numbers, but like half the cost of a solar install is labor. Um, which, of course, implies that if you want to recover the equipment, it's going to roughly cost the same thing. And so, in other words, there's just no equipment to recover. So it really is unsecured.
1: Yeah, that's a key point. That's why the credit is even more important here, because if you're making a 10-year loan and it's, it is, there is collateral, the solar asset does exist. Technically, the bank could take it, but it doesn't really have value. So it, it, it's effectively an unsecured loan, which makes the creditworthiness of the, of the customer more important. Got it. Got it. So, again, just
0: to, to, if I totally simplify it, there's just unique things about solar, which lets us use insurance to patch over to the just traditional lending world. So, a bank will make a loan, you'll put a policy um, on top of that, um, and you've got a project.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I w- I will pause to say just to explain a little bit next level of detail of how solar works. It actually works a lot like commercial real estate project finance. So you usually have a project because the business owner doesn't know solar. They don't know have an engineer that can design the system. They go out and they find a project developer who uh, will design the system, get the permits, hire the construction workers to place it on the rooftop or the land next to the business owner. The business owner is the one who wants the electricity. Um, but the pro- usually the, the common structure in commercial solar is that you use um, power purchase agreements. So the third party, you might have heard of like a solar city and um, in, in, in residential solar. Uh, solar or Sunrun are really popular um, names that you might have heard of. They'll in, in commercial, they'll usually own the solar asset. And the only responsibility for the business owner is to buy the electricity produced. And then it is the project developer who will go and get the financing, the equity and debt financing. So we can either most commonly, we cover the project developer for their payment stream from the business so they don't default on their debt. Um, in certain states, um, there, there's a possibility to cover the financing party.
0: Got it. That makes sense. So there's one part that's a bit of a mystery to me, um, which is, you know, you're a startup. Uh, how, many, how many years old are you now? Four. Four years old. So how the heck, who underwrites, uh, who underwrites this risk? uh so how, how do you find a partner um that's actually going to underwrite um all this risk because it's not not going to be your balance sheet presumably
1: yeah startup uh <laughs> i don't think venture capitalists would appreciate no we uh, don't putting putting want our money really to be used for underwriting at risk for 10 risk. years yeah. <laughs> yeah for 10 years um so this this was a challenge right i mean i think the insurance community does like when there's a misperception or a misperceived uh, risk Um, So we got a lot of positive reception, um, but it was hard to find an insurer. And, and you know, a lot of them, they, you know, they work on, if they work on property, we went to the one insurer and he says, I do property insurance. If it doesn't catch on fire, then I don't know how to insure it. And another person might do, you know, business interruption insurance and other types of insurance. And, and, um, in the insurance industry they're they're called silos and they're they're very siloed and they don't usually cross collaborate so we had some you know we are a trade credit insurance policy but we have some inspiration from other types of insurances what we found is that the, in london where insurance was effectively event invented, there that's where all the a lot of the uh, historical innovation has happened. Um, so, if a new product needs to be developed in London, they have Lloyd's of London, which is really a marketplace more than more than like a traditional insurer, where different insurers will get in and share in the risk. So, maybe ten insurers will take ten percent of a risk, and that way they're not all uh, entirely exposed to this new challenge. Um, And it was that kind of mentality that brought us to SCORE, which is S-C-O-R. They're the fourth largest reinsurance company in the world. And they, um, they have an entire department that writes trade credit insurance for different industries. And they occasionally have seen some energy deals, mostly large deals. So they were quite excited about the small and medium uh, 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 deals that we could bring in the aggregate, as well as this kind of underserved market. A lot of credit insurers, they have a minimum, you know, they want to see like a $50 to $100 million transaction size to be able to um, go through the underwriting um, uh, effort. And so we, by using, uh, you know, kind of a tech first approach, we were able to efficiently underwrite um, those deals. But Basically, what we did was we, um, we, we went through a long diligence process with SCORE, explained our methodology and, and how we were approaching this, and it took about nine months. And um, we got a binding authority agreement with SCORE, their initial capacity provider. um, And that means that they would effectively, um, you know, it's our, we do the underwriting, we're a delegated um, authority. uh, The the form in the insurance industry is called a managing general underwriter. That's our role, very commonly used. Uh, And, um, but we don't take balance sheet risk as a managing general underwriter, that would be on SCORE. Uh, We work very collaboratively. We have weekly scheduled calls, but usually more than that, and uh, work very collaboratively with the whole team there. And they've been an excellent partner. And and their knowledge and understanding of of, of uh, the credit insurance markets and, and how we could grow this product has been invaluable to us.
0: Well, congrats. I mean, that's a huge partnership. And just maybe for anyone in the audience who isn't familiar with with the scope and scale of, of SCORE, but maybe just give give
1: high level i mean it's one of the biggest global reinsurers fourth biggest global reinsurer i think it's 17 billion um revenue um they they were the original french back over in europe the different each country had their own reinsurance company to reinsure all of their insurance companies mm-hmm. And uh, so you have a Swiss national reinsurer and a and a Luxembourg one, and 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 then and here you have um, uh, SCORE, which is a French the French uh, reinsurance company. So they've been around for I think about sixty years or more, and uh, one of the definitely one of the market leaders. And I think they're well respected for being, um, you know, they're they never. Uh, I don't think they're they're looking to be the largest um, uh, uh, or the or the most aggressive. But I like. That they're like a mid-range, you know, they take risks, but but reasonable risks, and that's allowed them to have a very strong credit rating. They have an AA3 Moody's double AA- A-minus credit rating. It's been affirmed through COVID, and it's that like moderate level of risk and 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 attention to to innovation and and where the new opportunities are that I that I think is, makes them a great partner um, here. Love it. No, it's a huge, it's a huge accomplishment.
0: So um, let's switch gears, actually. Let's talk about um, some actual, you know, boots on the ground stuff. So some examples of um, interesting or successful projects um, that you've completed recently. So um, I don't know, maybe pick one or maybe pick two and just sort of uh, walk us through, you know, what was the asset class? How did it come together? Just help us understand where your solutions really worked.
1: Jeff, you want to talk about the shopping mall?
0: We can we can each maybe pick uh, pick some of our favorites
2: they're they're all our favorites Tyson um, <laughs> but yeah I think some of the most relevant ones uh, it, it is hard to pick I, I will start with the hotels though because um, this was really exciting um, you know we exactly as I mentioned earlier a lot of you know you recognize the name on the sign but because uh, a lot of these hotels are franchise deals they don't get parent credit so um, we have a a series of hotels um, that are all under the same franchise owner looking to get solar um, in California, really trying to boost the sustainability metrics. You know, customers want to stay in something with, with ESG credentials. Um, And this was interesting because actually solar plus storage and the owner wanted to add EV charging over time. So um, we we were able to come in and uh, help them get financing for this, Help them get closed and, and get stood up, and we were um, you know really excited about this transaction, and we closed it in April of 2020, just as COVID's hitting.
0: Bad timing.
2: And so here we are, but the, you know this is um, you know this is crunch time, and so um, we you know we work closely with them. We looked at you know but between us and the developer, are there you know PPP loans? Are there other forms of you know government support that can help them through? Um, luckily this was a super creative franchisee owner. He was located near to, um, some of the local hospitals and, you know, immediately was advertising to essential workers to help them stay there, you know, as they were coming in and out as families were, were there visiting their loved ones in the hospitals. And so, you know, we're, we even though this was a really tough time in the last year for, um, hospitality industry, um, they were able to pull through. They, we didn't have any, um, um, major interruptions in payment. And so they're still there and going strong, um, out the other side. So, you know, key example, if it was a, you know, I'd also love to tell you that they had a claim and we paid it. Um, but, um, you know, also we, uh, we didn't, so definitely a close call and and something where, Hey, you know, after the year we've had, you know, is the, is the bank gonna say, Oh, I want to go this one alone or do I need the insurance? Well, you know, we've seen in this last year, all sorts of crazy things can happen. So, we're really we're really proud of that deal and, and excited to support the sector uh, more going forward
0: got it so summer just to summarize with that sort of application asset class that's in this case we're talking about hotels and hospitality and in this case sort of like like a, an asset level operator uh was able to get credit and actually finance a solar install and for that particular property um solar and, and clean sustainable energy is a is a differentiator in that market and that was sort of the 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 context and the business case there. Okay. Um, what
1: else? And the EV charging because of and California. The There's yeah, a yeah, lot can... of electric vehicles growing. A lot of
0: Teslas around here for sure.
1: Yeah, um, and I think one other thing I have to say after you know after COVID, because we used to have to explain why credit insurance was was needed. After COVID, nobody asks us that question anymore. <laughs> Everybody knows that credit is an issue. Although there's no way that was in your actuarial model. Global plague. <laughs> that one, no. Be, believe me, in in the in the diligence with score, we had to do all kinds of uh, catastroph cat modeling and catastrophic catastrophe modeling and severe like. why? What happens if there's, uh, you know, major, I don't know, uh, earthquake or stuff like this? And we never did pandemic, (laughs) (laughs) so maybe we should have. I'll I'll give it. I'll give the example of the of the outlet mall, the shopping mall, because I I mean that that was a really interesting one because the mall had the parents of that mall were were very credit worthy, the parental owners, Um, and I think one was even publicly traded, so. At the top of the food chain, there there wasn't a credit problem. It was really a, a structural problem that is persistent throughout um, uh, the real estate industry when they try to to do solar project finance. And that's the that the the outlet mall was owned by was what the ownership entity was a bankruptcy remote LLC, sometimes called special purpose vehicle, uh, wh- which is common in real estate where um, you know to for isolation of liability and and, and tax purposes, and so that that uh, it was a relatively new sh- uh, shopping mall, and the LLC didn't have a strong balance sheet, Probably never would be a rated entity. And the developer was convinced that they wouldn't have any problem with banks because of the the parental owners were so strong. Well, they uh, they talked to us uh, they uh, after about six months of talking to every bank that they could, no bank would do it. We placed that policy in about four weeks, I think. Um, And they were able to get the financing um, uh, once we got involved. And the reason why we were comfortable with this risk is, you know, it is retail. So it's not that's not an easy sector. There's definitely some stress there. But it was in a really significant location with a high, high traffic volume. They also had electric vehicle charging. Um, pretty substantial that could have uh, used this they were using the solar for the common electricity in the outlet mall but they could have replaced you know converted that to the electric vehicle charging and there were some other um, uh, operations businesses on the same parcel that um, were like other industries like warehousing or some 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 rest highway rest stop uh uses that even if that retail mall had severe vacancy they could have uh out reallocated the the electricity to other businesses. So we felt like over 10 years, the risk of loss there was was relatively manageable because of those mitigants. So get, what's the scale like
0: megawatts of some of these installs, like that one as an example? Um, how big are we talking? Is that about? Like three? That was 800 kW. That one. Oh, uh, Some kW.
2: of the hotels are much smaller. Um, you know, a couple hundred kW of um, of solar.
0: got
1: it but it it really runs a gamut i mean that's a lot of um a a lot of the individual installs are are that size but usually when we bind a policy uh and nowadays it's done in portfolios so we might have 50 or 100 of those smaller projects and we've also seen application at at a larger scale um uh you know there's a, a new concept called community solar gardens which is you build one maybe uh, 10 megawatt plant, 5 megawatt plant, 5 to 10 million dollars of an install cost, and then you maybe have uh, a variety of different businesses and homeowners in the region that will subscribe to get uh, allocation from the um, from the electricity produced by that plant. Um, and so the, the you know the the policy that we started was to try to solve this small and medium business um, solar, uh, but it's really uh, broadly applicable to to really any non-residential solar, non-direct residential rooftop.
0: So maybe that's a good way to sort of like lead out here. Is talk me through what what's next? So what what are some of the maybe it's you're talking about there that the idea of community solar, um, but sort of what are what are some adjacent sort of use cases that you think your approach is going to be really useful for?
2: Great question, and I think you know first of all we really want to emphasize we've seen this product scale across industry verticals. So we, we picked our favorites, but um, also seeing um, charter schools, grocery stores, cold storage warehouses, um, you know f- retail pharmacies really broadly applicable across multiple areas of need, um, both new construction and operating portfolios, as Jim mentioned. And on the technology side, we're excited to go from solar to solar plus storage to maybe standalone batteries to, to fuel cells. So there's a lot more technology that's out there, maybe even energy efficiency retrofits. We're talking to some companies looking at um, heat pump or LED retrofits that are also sold on uh, infrastructure as a service basis. So there's just way more that's um, yet to be deployed that can save money, increase operational efficiency, improve NOI, um, and customer satisfaction at a lot of these locations. So we're, we're super excited about that. And then Into some of the virtual examples. So not every building can handle rooftop or parking lot solar. You've got a taller building or denser urban environment. Um, There are virtual structures. Uh, Jim mentioned one of them in community solar. There's also other more complex types of um, virtual PPAs that some of the large um, uh, tech companies are, are pioneering. So we're really excited to drive on a few of those dimensions of expansion. And really um, we're working now with some of the largest commercial real estate owners in the country and just helping them put more solar in more places. It's here, it's economical, customers want it, it enhances operations. Uh, like let's, let's figure out how we can help remove the barriers to deploying renewable energy at scale.
0: Love that. I think that's a perfect way to kind of wrap up here, tying what we were talking about at the beginning, that it is amazing, right? When you fly into one of our major cities and you look down and you see all those roofs and they're all empty, a lot of resource waiting there to be uh, waiting there to be harnessed. So anyways, Jeff, Jim, thank you so much for the time. And uh, we look forward to continuing to see if we can find ways to work with you guys. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks for listening to Fifth Wall's Tactical Toolbelt podcast. For more on Fifth Wall and our efforts in climate tech, visit our website at fifthwall.com.